What is up, Sell Anywhere listeners, and of course, now viewers here on the Sell Anywhere YouTube channel, which has existed for a while. I just haven't really done the video stuff here. Anyway, welcome one and all to the place where we gather together when we believe that if you can sell anywhere, you can sell everywhere. And I have with us today someone really cool. I met him uh, actually through a sales conversation. So I always like, <clears throat> as a as someone who um, has been a sales professional for a long time and as someone who coaches sales professionals, my ears are always peaked up, right? Whenever I get the call, whenever I get the cold email, when I get all of those things, I am, I am really looking at the experience I'm looking at, all, all, of, all of those things. And I'm, I'm as a student, and uh, I'm just gonna introduce you to someone who walked into my lab and I liked him. I liked him so much I wanted to bring him on because I feel like he has some really valuable things to say. And um, just for those of you looking for uh, a, a way to innovate during this time, this, uh, stay tuned. This is gonna be the show for you. So Pete, Bersinger, I, I just, first off, welcome to the show. And before you tell us what you do, man, it's sell anywhere. So you gotta, you gotta tell us where are you at, brother? Well, thank you, Donnie, for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. And right now I'm just outside of Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. And I'm just guessing here, are we in a home office or where? A home, a home office, that's correct, yep. <clears throat> and this is my second time using this microphone, so excited to have some hopefully good audio quality. Absolutely. Well, we won't know until you sing, and um, so we'll we'll see what what which um, and which Britney Spears song you can belt out at the end of uh, of today. Um, let me ask you this before we jump into what you do. How much of your time is there at the home office? Like, where do you primarily work from when you do this, this work thing? Sure. So it's, I think like everybody, it's changed a lot this year. So if you had asked me for the past five years, I would have been in Manhattan, New York, and most likely in a coffee shop. We had an office at one point, but recently I've, actually been more on the go with my girlfriend. We've been traveling around between family, friends, Airbnb. And now I'm yeah, living in a, in a house here and we have a home office. So typically here and sometimes, you know, on the go, it's just from, for me, I guess I can do my job pretty much wherever there's good Wi-Fi. All right, brother, tell us, tell us about that job because there is an intersection between selling and engineering, you are, you get to hold the prestigious title um, of founder, which we all love to talk to founders. Talk to us a little bit about what you do and, and why, why the whole anywhere thing is open for that. Sure. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, I'm probably a bit newer on the sales side than a lot of your other guests, but I've, so I can give a little bit about my background and how I'm how I've been getting more and more into sales. So I actually started as a software engineer out of UC Berkeley and I worked as a software engineer for about three to four years after college. And then I began thinking, well, I sort of want to have a little bit more of a human side of things instead of just clocking away at a keyboard all day. So I decided to switch actually into sales engineering where I figured at least I wouldn't be throwing away all the technical knowledge that I had, I could be putting it to use somewhat. So from there, transferred internally in an, in an ad tech company to become a sales engineer. And that was a pretty, pretty cushy job in terms of, you know, we were basically on the call helping salespeople describe the technical details in a way to make the, um, make the product sound appealing and like it could work for potential customers. So very much enjoyed that. And then one of my teammates was actually doing some interesting work with podcasts and transcribing them and 
analyzing them to provide personalized recommendations. So I figured he wasn't the biggest programmer, so I figured I could help him out. And we got started and eventually left that company to do our own startup. Since then, we've pivoted a couple times. I've more gone from the pure, the CTO guy to the main, the main founder. So in that process, I've gone from being a pure, you know, an en- just an engineer to a sales engineer with assisting salespeople on calls to now, I would say, at this point, leading the sales for us in sales for our company, Podscribe. At this point, we're our, primarily our main sales approach right now is through email marketing, and we're working on a couple big integrations with podcast platforms. So some sales to them and also to we're in the talk we're talking now to podcast producers and networks of um, podcasts that produce a number of podcasts so there, i'd say the sales can be you know go from cold emails which i think is actually how we've met funny <laughs> funny yeah. enough mm-hmm. to more approaching um, more personalized targeted outreach to you know more you know to networks and other people and then also more partnership approaches to other podcast platforms in the space. And before, I think New York is one of the best places, I think, to for meetings and to meet people and to grab coffee. And this year is sort of an anomaly for that. It seems like even if I was in New York, it, I'd still be having Zoom calls with people. I wouldn't be meeting for coffee. So I'm not sure if and when that's really going to change, but it seems like now it's sort of the thing that everybody is doing mostly. So the anywhere approach I think is more valid than anywhere right now. So I'll pause there. I said a lot. All right. So, so talk to me, like I, I I am interested in just even the, I don't want to say a detachment, but it's like you go from New York where it's let's grab a coffee. um, And um, really your product, you probably could find plenty of audience in New York, but but the product that you're you're specifically selling now, it's just it wouldn't be feasible anyway. You've got to be able to connect with people everywhere, and so uh, like what what differences are or like I guess going from the place to where you can be personal with people and in face to face versus using technology. Like what's been your biggest revelation or biggest challenge in that transition? Yeah. So one thing that I've realized and I think maybe it was it was obvious in in hindsight is that at least for us right now so what our product is for your listeners is it's a transcription service for podcasters where as soon as they publish an episode we'll automatically transcribe it for them and then we provide an interactive transcript player and there are a couple other unique benefits we provide since we're really the only transcription provider focused specifically on podcasts. So and, and by the way, for, for you mm-hmm. listeners, you can actually check on the sell anywhere podcast show notes. You'll see all of those things uh, going forward. So uh, if you want to see what, what Pete's talking about, just go there. All right, keep going. Anyways. So, um, so what I think I've realized is that for us right now, there's over a million different, about a million and a half podcasts, you know, maybe about half of those, are active and they're all in very different stages of being ready to buy from us. So there's some people, they vary from never even having heard of a transcription to not, to maybe having heard of it, to not knowing why they would want it. Then there are people who are vaguely interested and there are people who already have transcriptions and want to switch. So for us, I've, at first I would, you know, email people and then somebody didn't even know what transcriptions were. I would get on a phone call with them and try as hard as I could to explain to them and explain the process. But, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but what I realized is that because of the sheer numbers, our goal is more to separate the phrase, the wheat from the, the shape and find it as quickly as possible. All of the podcasters who are in the zone, who are where they're looking for transcripts, they're, they're, they're sold on it. They're ready and we need to get our product in front of them as soon as possible as, as opposed to 
focusing the the slower game of trying to explain to somebody what transcripts are and why they need them. And I think we can do that gradually over time with, you know, e emails and kind of educating the general population. But right now for us, the stage where we're at in our company, we have a couple hundred podcaster clients. We had zero at this point last year. So we're growing fairly quickly. But at this point, the focus for us is trying to find the people who are ready as ready to buy as they can. So my, I don't know if it's a revelation or whatnot, but it's really to, you know, send out, you know, email, email some people and then qu as quickly as possible, identify the people who are ready to buy and maybe have the most shows and focus as much as I can on them, as opposed to, I don't know if the term is wasting, but putting effort on people who perhaps aren't as ready to buy, because the fact is, if I spend more time on them, then I'm just, we're not focusing as much on the people who are, who actually are ready for our product and we're, we're not getting in front of them. Yes. So that's one thing I, I, I think I've, my focus has somewhat shifted on recently, as opposed to just trying to convince everyone, just yeah, finding the right people. This because this, this is, Peter, I, I find too often, um, I think salespeople try to stiff arm or, you know, it's like they, they try to, you know, square peg round hole. Like if someone steps in front of them, you've heard of the saying, uh, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I feel like too many of us are, are doing that. And the reality is, is it's not just someone like you shouldn't be just selling to people who need your product. You need to be selling to people who are asking your questions. In other words, uh, they're already in a place to where they're leaning forward. They're thinking about a solution and, and they're asking a certain question to themselves and you get to show up as the answer uh, you, to, that, to that question. How have you been able to, instead of just becoming a generalist of, of going of show up and throw up, right? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's the whole pitch everyone thing. How have you been able to use intelligence to... Uh, maybe focus in on your message or, or really it's like you get to keep your message, but just focus in on the audience and the people who are ready for that. Sure. Yeah. Because I've, I think it's, it's really hard to can change anyone's mind about anything I extremely hard. And I think now if somebody's maybe right on the line, you can nudge them a, a little bit, but it seems the people to, to buy from you, they already have to be pretty close to wanting it. If not, wanting it a lot in their minds. So what we've done to help improve that is we've looked at what podcasters are buying our service and started focusing more on outreach to them and the podcasters who have more audio because it's a higher price point for us. So for example, we've found that podcasters who have their own websites are more likely to buy because our transcription product is more valuable if you can put our interactive transcript player on your site. So one thing we looked at is instead of focusing on Outlook and Gmail emails in our database, one thing we'll focus on is emails that actually correspond to a website. So it means the person, you know, they have their own website. They're a little bit more serious I mean, not necessarily, but on average, they might be a little bit more serious about it because kind of anybody can sign up with a, a Gmail, but you're on a bit of a more serious stage if you have your uh, website up. So we start, that's one example of things we started focusing on. Another thing is, oh, God, sorry. I was going to say, so you, you've been able to pick up behaviors from your ideal clients and say, these are, these are indicators that this person would be in our, the, the place where we, we should be focusing at. Exactly. Yeah. Just because I found that overall, just general Gmails and at Outlook are, some are obviously still clients, but someone who has an actual domain, a different domain behind their email, a personal domain is more likely to convert for us. So instead of trying to, as you say, smush our product onto, you know, all the, every podcaster out there, we instead we tried to focus more on getting it in front of the people who are more likely to find value from well, specifically custom domains. I, and a few questions to stack into that. Um, I'm curious about how long that's taken you to, uh, to refine. And I'm, I'm sure, I don't know, do you, do you guys start with like a client avatar, like an ideal client avatar, 
or it, it, has that changed over time? Yeah, it definitely has. Um, so we, I, th I think one thing at first we would, I'd reach out to podcasts who sometimes wouldn't even necessarily be English. And that was always a mistake because we don't do very well at non-English pod. Uh -huh. We can do it, but we just don't do very well. Another time I'd, I'd originally, I'd sometimes reach out to podcasts who were in the mu music genre that wouldn't work very well either because sometimes they would just be music, not as valuable. And so I think it, I don't think I ever just sort of drew out of my mind. This is the ideal client avatar. I think I roughly have that, but it's more from sort of pitching it to clients who then I just realize just totally aren't interested in saying, okay, I'm going to stop that and refine that. So it, I think it could be helpful to draw a client avatar and we, I, I suppose I sort of have, but it's, and I, I think that maybe could have been helpful from the start, but it's more of been, shoot, that was dumb to reach out to them. <laughs> like, they don't have any, they don't even talk in their podcast. <laughs> We're not going to do that anymore. Evolved into what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And podcast too, I think, you know, shows with greater than five hours of audio and who produce a show roughly weekly, those also seem to be better clients as well. So I think it's been a process of honing in on the right clients who are willing to, who find value from it. And I've also seen too that we, we have very low churn, which, which, which is great. But one thing I've noticed is that interestingly, the clients who we have to, so cases kind of like really put our message down their throat and they are very on the fence and might not even like know what transcripts are. They, they might sign up for a month or two, but then they don't really understand how to use them. And it just, they just, it just doesn't work as well as somebody who already knows they want transcripts, knows how to use them. They have their website and that's just a way it's just, that's more of our ideal client at this stage. So it's just been more about just, finding them, showing them how we can help. And um, yeah. Love it. No, I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to change channels a little bit because I don't remember if I shared this with you or not, uh, Peter, but podcasting changed my life. And I am of the opinion that especially now um, in a time where people could be and should be innovating, I just like, there's, there's no downside for people doing their own podcast. It's not that hard. Uh, you don't have to have all the fancy like microphone that hangs in front of you or whatever. This is like, um, but you can get into it rel relatively cheap. It gives you a vessel to connect with people in your industry that you're trying to serve. Uh, what have you seen? I don't know. Do you, do you think everyone should be doing a podcast if they're trying to sell right now? What, what do you see out there, Peter? I think first of all, I, I love podcasts as well and podcast audiobooks just because when I'm doing something else, traveling somewhere, cooking, whatever kind of menial thing I'm doing, I'm, I can be learning something and it doesn't feel like I'm wasting time. Excuse me in that, in that regard. So I definitely a hundred percent agree. And I think one really powerful thing with the internet, even in general and, with podcasting as a medium is that for the first time ever you can, it's never been easier to be yourself and put out your message and connect with the people in the small niches in the world that your message resonates with for whatever reason before maybe you were in a village with 200 people and either you didn't have the access, but now with the internet, you have the access and with podcasting, I think it is, nice because as you say it's such a low cost i think it can almost it can be borderline free to start out with and it's such a low risk thing i i think it is a great way just to test out putting your voice out there because podcasts have seen have seen very steady growth and i think that's only going to continue especially as more and more people are realize how to use them. They're not, they're kind of confusing how to download, how to make, how to advertise on sort of everything about them is confusing, but they are becoming 
more mainstream. And I think people are really realizing that. So, and I think you see it in a lot of companies too. So many companies now are creating their own podcasts for a reason to get their voice and message out there, both internal and external podcasts. So mm-hmm. a lot of our, some of our best customers are definitely companies because one, you know, they're, they have money and want to pay for like a professional service, but two, they, you know, they realize the importance of having that voice out there and to, and I, a lot of the best company podcasts, it's not just a, it's not really a promotion about their own thing. It's more of a, let's interview interesting people in the space and give, make it valuable. And then if you find a valuable, you obviously, you're obviously going to know about that company if that's a product you're looking for. So I think so. Oh, yeah, I think, um, and golly, uh, you know, for, for me, this is like 2000, I think 16. I think it was, that's when I, when I started. So sales heroes, if you want to hear uh, uh, a hilarious podcast, go, go listen to that. It's hilarious because of the skill level of, uh, of what was being offered. First off, I will say in sales, we all know it's about the questions and being a good interviewer makes you actually a much better question asker of your, of your potential clients. But um, the neat thing was, is I, I found Peter that uh, like, like you said, like being able to interview people, you literally could just, you, it, the, the easiest way, you could just come up with a, the same list of questions and ask just other people, you're not even responsible for the content. <laughs> you can get these other people of interest to show up. The even cooler effect of what I found is that uh, people that were authors or people that were like, I would say like my heroes in, uh, in, in the world, like they were willing to talk to me. And so I could, if I could have said, wow, you know, here's, you know, here's Peter, he's, he's this great, you know, he's a founder, he's running something cool, he's doing this anywhere thing with his, with his girlfriend, which I want to talk to you a little bit more about. You know, like he's, he's doing the girlfriend. This, <laughs> well, not the girlfriend, but the, the, okay. <laughs> the travel thing. Um, you know, here he is, he's doing this. He's so, you know, he's, he's cool. Like if, and if, and if I were ever, ever able to, if I picked up the phone and said, hey, you want to talk? Probably that's a no. But being able to reach out to people and say, hey, would you, would you be open to a podcast interview? Even still, even with the saturation of what we have with, with so many of them out there, pick anything, pick a speaker, especially a speaker, pick an author, pick someone that's a hero, pick someone that's of interest in your world. And I like at least 50% of the time, these people would be open to a podcast with you, even if you're brand new, as long as they felt like- And, they, and, they'd, and they'd help promote it, and likely. They, and, um, and it's not hard. Like my wife does, uh, she, she has one or two of them on, like there's like a free app called Anchor and she does it on her phone. And it sounds like, honestly, just as good as like all of this, like this equipment that I have. Her sounds because a phone is created for, you know, to, to capture sound. Um, but the biggest thing that I've found is that over, over this last year or so, so I do consulting and, um, I've just found that the people who are buying from me research me first. They listen to me and here's what Pete, here's, here's what they're, here's what they're listening for. You said the word genuine. They are listening to my voice. Does my voice match what they believe? And in what it does is allows people to shop and they can say no to me, but it also lets others say yes to me. And a a good example is for me right now, I spend a lot of money on coaching, but if I don't think that person is going to get me or understand me, you're like, I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't work with that person and hearing a podcast, it gives you that extra level of comfort to know that you're connecting with genuine. And so, um, those are, those are just a few of the reasons why I think everyone should be uh should be involved with a podcast yeah i think you're you're totally right with the the genuine piece and i think slightly unrelated but i think that's why podcast advertising is so effective because listeners are so hooked into the host and it's you listen to somebody you you know you trust them so i think 
that is another really important piece of podcasting. And especially today where so much of media is just a a tweet or a a sound clip podcasting is, I think, a counter, a counter force to that where it's more long form. You get to hear people discuss topics in detail. So I think that is another nice trend with podcasts as well. Yeah. I mean, um, one of my kids got me into, uh, into Joe Rogan. This guy would go on for hours and (laughs) four hours. Wow. Tune in for this. You know I mean? It's, it's, uh, we're, we're not, we don't just have the attention span of a gnat. So um, let me ask you this. Have you seen any ways where someone could actually uh, utilize podcasting in, uh, in their sales process? So I think you, you mentioned advertising. Maybe you can explain that, you know, like how that would work. Or like, are there ways where someone could actually construct a podcast that would, that would begin the sales process? I think you're sort of describing it for yourself as a way to first off get people to be more aware of who you are and what you're talking about to draw people in that way, perhaps discover your show, but to, to build trust in you, I think, because a lot of the podcasts I've listened to on my favorite ones, almost all of them, I have bought some product that they've advertised or some of their services because I've, I feel like I get to know them. I get drawn in. I, I like them. I start to believe them. And then if they say, Hey, here's this product or thing I really like, or here's how this other thing I do that could help you. I'm like, Oh, you know, maybe it's not exactly right, but I'll give it a very strong consideration, a lot stronger than I probably usually otherwise would. So I think just to build awareness of your message to help you get discovered for whatever you're selling is, is one tool, but, and then from that point on for new potential customers or even existing potential customers to build the, the, the trust in you. I think, I think that's a, a huge step. And I think podcasting is great for that because it, for, I know the podcasts I listen to, it feels like I'm listening to like an old friend talk or something. <laughs> it, it's a, it's sort of a weird feeling. So yeah, generally that was kind of an answer to, I didn't know that's any specifics uh, there, but that's, that's, uh, that's, it's interesting because I feel like that, um, it's, it, they, they say, I forget what they call it. It's not affiliate, but, um, it's not, and it's not referral, but basically we trust there's a, there's a capital built up with the people that we trust. Right. And it's one thing when you see something flash up on CNN or ABC or Fox or whatever, that's just an ad. But when you, when it, when it's with this, like it's associated with this person that you think highly enough of to listen to for an hour, uh, there's a whole, there's something different, right. That goes along, um, with a different level of trust. I should say it opens the door a little bit wider. What would, well, let me ask you this. If for those of us who were, let's just imagine, um, like some of the people they're, they're listening to this. So we've got leaders, we've got salespeople and they're like, Oh my gosh, uh, you know, Peter, you, you've kind of like, you hit a little button here. I need to advertise. I need to advertise on podcasts. I need to reach people on podcasts. What is the, what, like, how does, what's the best way to go about that in terms of messaging or even connecting with the right? Um, because this is almost like, this is, this is, uh, I wouldn't say wild west, but it's not like established territory in terms of the advertising side of that. I definitely say wild west. <laughs> I think it's, very much the stone ages and I think a lot of brands are starting to realize the effectiveness of podcast advertising and the ones that aren't in it now I think there's a lot of FOMO but they but it's because it's very there's a lot of obstacles in podcast advertising first off you mentioned who do you even what show do you even pick there's a million of a million you know ish active shows so there's a a lot of challenges and i think there's a lot of trial and error um i know a lot of the biggest podcast advertising brands out there they advertise on i think last i heard manscaped one of the bigger ones that advertised on over 900 different shows and 
that is not really an automated process. So they'll have to go out and I know they'll primarily only strike a deal with shows that get more than 50,000 downloads per, per episode. But even, even then, it's still a lot of work for them. So I think there's a lot of trial and error. I think first off, you need to find a podcast with a reasonably sized audience. It, I mean, it depends what you're, if you're selling some very pricey good and you don't need many conversions to, to be worth it, then maybe you can go with a smaller, more super targeted podcast. But I think you can, you can go up with the approach of finding people, an author who may already be talking about products in your space or re- reviewing them or there, there's a bunch of different ways, but it's, um, it's not easy. One other thing we actually do on the other side of our business is we track where other brand, where brands are spending in podcasts because we analyze the transcription. So we track that. So one strategy is actually, to see where your competitors are advertising and then do a similar show to that or perhaps yeah you because you really don't want to get it's not ideal to get sloppy seconds on a show after your competitor has just you know, hit their audience with, the, with your message uh, yeah, your composing message but it, it, and yeah a, strat- a good a good strategy is definitely to see where your competitors are advertising to get an idea but Okay. Yeah. All right. So you've, you've got the show. Now talk to me about like, what do you put out there? Because this is, is this like this, there has to be like, how do you, how would you, do you, do you entice someone to a different place, to a different podcast? Like what, what, what should someone even, what would a messaging be that would be solid uh, to put on? To, Cause again, you're on someone else, you're in someone else's real estate. Like what, what do you like? What yeah. You, from, We've done a little bit of podcast advertising for ourselves, and I've seen sort of a number of brands who are represented by our agency clients do it. But I think first off, you definitely want to get the host aware and fully behind your product, testing it out, be you know, 100% behind it, because if they're just reading some script, it, it's probably not going to be as effective as if they've actually tried it and really believe in it. So I think syncing up with the host beforehand and getting them to really understand it is really important. And then I think what most people do is because podcast attribution is very much lacking is the, yeah, the exactly put a promo code for it or a custom URL, which is all right. I mean, a lot of people are lazy or just forget the promo code. So you miss some that way, but you can, you know, roughly factor in maybe how many what percent forget to click on the, or forget to go to the custom link. Maybe if you see a certain bump in sales, but yeah, typically you just put in a promo code with some discount to incentivize people to remember it. And, um, and then you sort of see what happens. And if that show is working out, I think you, you keep going with it. I think that there is a need to, continually for some of the biggest advertisers to continually find new shows because once you've messaged an audience a couple times you sort of saturated your message so that with pot it's kind of an interesting thing but there seems to be this constant need to kind of feed the beast with new shows in podcasting so that's sort of i guess that's all mainly for like the real big advertisers but Mm -hmm. sort of interesting what about um, Peter? What about getting? I've seen I've seen a uh, a trend recently where people get uh, they will basically pay like an appointment setter to uh, to get you booked to speak on podcasts, and it feels like that could also be a a, a good way to maybe um, pull from someone else's audience, provided that they're in they're in a, a common space that their audience are people that would matter to you. Um, yeah, seen that. What what do you what do you think? I think that's one of the best ways to find get to to grow your show. Um, if 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 that's your goal, I think that's one of the the best ways is to be on other people's shows with similar audiences to you know cross pollinate each other's audiences. I, th- I think I think that's great because if your content is similar to the other person, there's a pretty good chance the fans will like you. So yeah, I, I think there's a number of services popping up for that to help you match with guests on your show 
I'm not sure. Maybe I guess in a lot of situations, it's kind of, you kind of pay somebody or not. But I think regardless of how it happens, I think it's um, a great strategy to cross promote. Yeah, I always, uh, I've, I've, I've given it thought actually. Um, and one of, there's someone, someone that I had on the show, his company, that kind of like, uh, they created something, like some new product that wasn't like their main product. And they created it for themselves. And they're like, hey, we should sell this. So he was kind of, he was leading this, this small faction within their company. And the only way that they actually advertised was by, by doing that. So paid someone, went on as a guest. Um, it was, I think it was a software or a CRM. I can't remember what it was, but he said that um, even though I don't think they had like the forward slash, you know, like URL, you know, specific to that. But he said every time any of those shows aired, like there was a dramatic spike in their online activities. So, and and uh, the, what he said was, according to, they compared that to the other advertising they've been doing, which was all the traditional stuff, all the online, you know, like in, all, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, YouTube, all of the things that are out there. He said, by far, he said that it outperformed the other ones. Uh, and it was easy to tell because that was the only source of advertising that they were investing in. So, yeah, I, I, that, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. For specifically selling a product, maybe as opposed to growing your show, I could see being on a show as even a lot more effective than just having the host read an ad because the audience can get to know you a lot more. And you know, you're not the whole time. You don't have to be outright promoting your show, but they're going to get a picture of what you're, you're offering, which is I think the important and get to know you and your service. Definitely. Um, and things, things, by the way, that I'm exploring, like I don't, I don't have the answers. That's been kind of the cool part about this whole podcast. I started it a few years ago when uh, I started, I started doing what I'm about to ask you about. And we moved from home to home every three months as we traveled to America and Mexico. And that's with eight kids. And it was, it was nuts. And we've been settled for the last year and a half. But um, the, the idea is, is like, dude, I don't know at all. I just get to talk to really cool other people who have, who have been learning and, and they've, they've figured some things out. And so, um, you know, it's always beneficial for me to hear from people like you and to assimilate that um, knowledge. And this is, this is something I've, I've, I wouldn't say I'm clueless on, but I'm learning just like the rest of the audiences here in this world. And you wouldn't think, oh, you have a couple of podcasts. Well, whatever. It's, you know, like, yeah, I'm still, I definitely am learning in this area. Take me to the anywhere part, Peter. Like you have, you've been able to, it sounds like you were doing this before COVID, um, you know, in terms of the, the traveling around and doing things. And I, you know, I heard some coffee shop offices and, and those type of things. Can you describe, is that a, was that uh, from necessity or was that just like, did you like me read the four hour work week and say, I'm going to try this location independence thing? Like what, like talk to me about your anywhere part of your adventure. Yeah, I definitely read the four hour work week and, and Tim Ferriss's podcast was probably one of the first I really started listening to. So we actually when we started Potable about three years ago, we actually did get a WeWork in Manhattan, which wasn't the cheapest. I was at that point, I had never worked remote or worked with a team that was remote before that. So I, I thought there was no real alternative. I didn't, I didn't believe in it. And then we actually upgraded from the office to a sort of a big apartment, essentially that we moved into in Soho in Manhattan, which as you can imagine, wasn't cheap. It it was not, was not for free. (laughs) And we had up to, I think nine employees at that point, but then things sort of went sideways for us as we were a podcast player and we were running out of money and it just wasn't, working well. So we had to get layoff people, restructure, pivot. So at that point, it was definitely out of necessity that we got rid of the office, went to, you know, minimized our team, went basically not fully remote, but we got rid of the office and the people who we were still working with, we'd either go to work at an apartment or we would do the the thing. I think they might've shut it down. I forget what it was. Um, oh, Kettle Space was one of them in New York. There was another one that WeWork bought and shut down on purpose, where it's just they rent out 
space from restaurants and let people, you pay a small monthly fee, like a hundred bucks. And then you go in during the day and work there uh-huh. and the restaurants give you coffee. And it, it was great. And you could bring in a monitor. You don't have permanent space, but you can go in and basically sit in a restaurant all day uh-huh. in kind of a room they give you. And then the restaurants make money because they wouldn't have anybody in there otherwise. So, yeah. and they're getting yeah. paid for that. So we, we did that. And I think after doing that for about a year in New York, we thought, wow, like we spent so much money on rent and we're that now we can sort of hop around each day. We're a lot more flexible. I, th- I think there are definite benefits to being in an office in, in some situations with your whole team there. I think there are definite benefits, but I think in way, I think they're, they're in a lot fewer cases than we thought because I think the remote benefits are also pretty good. So, so that's sort of where we were before Corona hit. And then after Corona hit, I went to North Carolina. My friend has a, have a house out there. I went to stay with him in the mountains and kept working totally seamlessly from there. And even on, I, I actually don't lose too much of a beat because I have AT&T, my girlfriend has um, Verizon. So usually one of us will have service for a hotspot. And I actually, when we're driving somewhere, she'll usually drive and I'll just be working on my laptop in the, in the front seat there. So, and I usually, what's what's that? What's the coolest office you've ever been able to post up in? What's your favorite place you've been, you've actually done a day's work at? We had a pretty nice place in, and Long Beach on the beach where we could sit and then look out on the beach. That was pretty nice. There's a good place in North Carolina on the beach. So I definitely like places where I can sit on kind of outside, but in a, sh- a sheltered area outside. And just, so it's, you know, you're not cooped up indoors all day, but you can still sit at a table and have coffee and, you know, an old bathroom. So I think those are usually my favorite spots what's been the worst so, one you, you thought it would be great and it ended up not being maybe as uh, as good as you'd hoped yeah there was one airbnb where it was really spotty wi-fi i think the the wi-fi thing is just like the biggest factor above and beyond i really want i wish it was a requirement for airbnbs to post internet speed tests to their profile mm-hmm. i th- <laughs> that would be very useful but i think everything can be nice but if the wi-fi is bad it just doesn't work. Yep. Ain't no sunshine when it's gone. So, um, and, and I'm curious about this because <clears throat> I'm probably responsible for more sales of this product than uh, anyone else other than truck stops. But uh, I used to have really bad experiences when I would try coffee shops or like public, like WeWorks, especially more like in the common spaces. And, uh, and I found that this truck driver uh, looks like you're working at a Wendy's uh, or McDonald's or whatever. Can I take your order? Yeah. That's, I, I literally walked in one time and, and posed with the people. With my headset. But, um, but that was, that's, that's the only thing I found that would block all the extraneous like banging and coffee machines and all of those things. Like, what did you do about the noise or was that, did you just deal with it? Like, yeah, that, so this is a- I've always been fairly sensitive to, to noise so i've i i listen to white noise now i have finally got the new airpods that are mildly noise canceling so that helps but i remember even in my first job as a software engineer it was in san francisco we had an open office which i think everybody kind of grew to hate but we would it'd be so noisy we would put in earplugs and then on top of that we put on a huge earmuffs as well just to <laughs> the con and they actually gave us the huge earmuffs as well oh my god <laughs> i guess so i've always sort of been i can sense a lot of times how disrupted i can i can get and it can be hard to focus but i think what even if you don't have the earmuffs what i found i use the site for white noise that i just put in and that can usually drown out most things because i have trouble listening to music with lyrics, I can't focus quite as well. So the white noise usually will do it for me. So, okay. I'm curious about that. I, I actually scientifically, I, I, like music can energize you for the task that's in front of you. Music with words will almost always detract because somewhere in your brain, you're trying to figure out what's, what's, what's being said, what's happening, right? Exactly. Yeah, I can, exactly. I can music with no lyrics. I can usually do, but with lyrics, a part of my brain is always 
interpreting it and I'm always, you know, yep. Yeah, a little is missing from my fo the focus. And did did you ever have were you ever doing sales tasks or talking tasks or things where you're actually having conversation with others in any of these crowded spaces? Uh yeah, that that I think I've gotten a little better at just because I think one thing is not panicking on calls because sometimes you'll be like a little late and something will be happening and it's if you can kind of just relax I think is is one thing I've gotten a little better at because I think people can be reasonably forgiving of it not in all, I mean not in all cases but I, I think that's been one thing I've gotten better at is being more relaxed on, on calls so there's definitely times when there's kind of like banging or a baby or something happening there but i think usually i can kind of get by i've gotten better at hitting the mute key uh, or the mute button yeah. as well when i know something's gonna happen <laughs> um but yeah love it yeah. So, all right you do like just like you said no more no more coffees in soho so um what uh like all, all of this we we now have this little square that we are on right now right uh, personality doesn't necessarily transfer over this, especially uh, it, it's just, it's different than, than being, you know, in the same physical space as someone. What would you say that has, what's, a, what's been a helpful tip or what's something you've learned that has, tr that in, in terms of doing it through Zoom, what, what, I guess, in terms of expression or selling, like what's been, what's been something that's been helpful for you to transfer who you are into this little, I don't even know how many inches wide and tall this screen is. Yeah, it's definitely a lot tougher over phone and Zoom. I mean, ideally meeting somebody in person, you can build more of a relationship with them. So I think that's going to be ideal, but I think we're in a place now where that's sort of paused and it's like, yeah. okay, what, what been a big is the next best up. thing? Yeah. And I mean, the nice thing with zoom is it can scale a lot more. You can reach a lot more people. So I, I do think where possible videos are definitely preferable. You mean you have to put on a shirt and everything and, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I think, yeah, getting on zoom as opposed to email or, calls are is definitely preferable i think especially for the more important things um you know other other than that i think it can really vary one thing i've sort of learned sort of or sort of seen going back to the throwing the product down a person's throat is that a lot of times especially when reaching out to new people i sort of don't come at it i come at it from a i try to come at it from a softer approach of instead of like hey i've got this great product for you here it is check it out more of an approach like hey not sure if you're interested in this but you know if you are if the time's right here's this thing for you i i've i've personally i mean i don't know if that works in all situations but i found that especially for kind of new people over the internet the and maybe it works in person too but the the bit of the softer approach where you're sort of giving them more of a permission to say no thing seems to make people more comfortable with you and at least more willing to respond to you because it's so easy just to get an annoying pitch or something and then just uh, like nah. but you know if you give the person more of an easier time to say no by sort of assuming like hey this might not be the right time for this i get it it seems like i've been able to we've been able to get at least more responses and then because that's kind of you if, if they don't respond then hey you're not going to be able to then you're just totally shut down yeah permission per, permission to say no also gives others permission to say yes and feel like they're in control of it and it's yeah i i definitely agree with the psychology there so this is this has been fun um i know that there are people who are listening and they either want to connect with you or um, maybe they, they, they want, they're saying, Hey man, I've, I have a podcast or I'm starting a podcast and I see the value of having, uh, all of the things that come with having transcripts, everything from, uh, being able to, you know, for the search engine optimization to having this nice tool on my website that I didn't have to do anything for to, um, having something to copy and paste into the, uh, you know, into the, 
into the files for, you know, for, for the videos or, or not the videos for the, for the audio or for, I like to do headliners for, uh, for some of my podcasts. So they see that they see the value, they see the benefit. They want to connect with you. Peter, how, how can they get a hold of you, brother? Where, where do they find you? Yeah. So I can drop my LinkedIn and Twitter and email and I give it to you for the, the show notes. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I think just Peter Bersinger or feel free just to email me directly at Pete at podscribe.ai. And for anyone to who's listening to the show, if they are interested in a sample for their podcast, always happy to give a free sample transcript for any podcast to test out the service. And if you mention you heard of us on this show, happy as well to transcribe your full backlog within the past year with any yearly subscription as well. Just Love to get it. you fully caught up. Love it. Guys, jump on that. That's what, uh, that's what we're doing here. And uh, you will be better for it if you are doing this. Just push it off your plate. You don't have to do everything yourself. This, you, like for me, yeah, just get in front of a screen, find cool people and hit record. Let other people do the rest of the work. And uh, that's what you guys do there at Podscribe. I love it. like it. Want some more of it. Uh, thank you for joining us, my man. Uh, it's, been, it's been fun to, uh, to hang with you. It's definitely good getting insight from a fellow traveler. And uh, it's, it's been really cool. For those of you who are listening and watching, listen, use the tools here. Listen, listen to the ideas of what can I, how can you like, should I do a, a, a podcast? What, what should happen in that process? And uh, innovate. <laughs> this is the age of the innovator. And if you're doing everything, you know, if you're still knocking door to door, if you're still only picking up the phone, you're going to get diminishing returns. Try new things. If this is something that fits you, by all means, reach out to Peter, reach out to, you know, connect with me. Obviously, uh, we can we can chat about that. But uh, uh, been fun hanging with you. And obviously, remember, if you can sell anywhere, you can sell everywhere. And your talent is not limited to your zip code. Thanks for being here.